a welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel for yet another powerful, sobering, and inspiring word from God. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaluluma from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Galatians 3, verse 15. I've been studying the book of Revelations of late. And as we're reading this version, you can give me... Uh, let's start with the New King James and we'll go to the Passion. <laughs> Anyways. So... Jesus is writing to the churches, and it's why I just thought about this now. It shows you why we emphasize a lot on trainings and disciplines and all those things. Can you imagine an entire church in an entire region had the same culture? He didn't say, I know two of you, I know three of you. The entire church had the same culture. That gets you thinking, eh? And so he writes and says, I know your works. That you're neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot. Uh-huh. So then, because you're lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Let's go back to 15 from the Passion Translation. I'm filled with wonder, awestruck wonder. As we were doing the worship, were you, were you hot or cold? Or you were in the middle? You are the one for. Filled with wonder. Okay, I know all that you do. Somebody say, the Lord knows all that you do. <laughs> and this person is saying, well, I'm not that bad, you know. At least I don't do that. I'm not like the spiritual, spiritual one, but I'm not that bad. And he says, I know all that you do. And he says, I know you're neither frozen in apathy. No fervent with passion. Hey. It says no fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other. In short, he's saying, pick a side. If you're going to be on this side, do it with a passion. Then if you're going to be on the worldly side, do it with a passion. So if so when you go to hell, there are no regrets. You know what I mean? Eh? Like there are no regrets. Like you're in hell for the right reasons. 
That's what he's saying. Choose where you get a standing ovation from. <laughs> Would you have demons saying, ah, but you worked? <laughs> Even though we're about to torment you, you are worse than we thought. Oh, will you have the saints stand up and say this one? <laughs> and so, Jesus said, how I wish you were either one or the other. Do you remember one time he says, it's either you're for us or against us. There is no neutral. There is no in the middle. You have to pick a side. This version is the only version we know. <laughs> I don't know if you're getting my point. And the only changes that will be there is that we go from glory to glory. You must never be at a place where you've had a better life in Christ than the one you have now. Never. Let's go on. Uh-huh. But because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, with that introduction, <laughs> I will be sharing on zeal for life. Now, uh, in recent weeks, we have endeavored to share on zeal, and we focused a lot on zeal for God. But today, we want to focus more on zeal for life. Psalm 27, verse 13. Uh, did we have the ladies and gentlemen from me? Did you manage to come? Uh, let's have the New King James. Psalm 27, verse 13. We define zeal as a passionate adore. Somebody's asking Apostle Frederick, what is a passionate adore? A passionate adore is zeal. And David says something. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in heaven. Wait, wait, wait. I'm reading it wrongly. Unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord after I die and resurrect. Unless I believed I would have seen the goodness of God in the sweet by and by. Okay. Unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the earth. What he's saying is, unless you are at a place where you believe you see the goodness of God, you will lose heart. You will lose passion. You lose zeal. You lose zeal for life. I'm talking about zeal for life, not zeal for breathing. There's a difference. When we are describing somebody who's passionate and their zeal is expressed in the context of life, what happens is they are not just one of those people who... How did I write it? Where you just wake up to breathe, to eat, and to sleep. That's not different from the animals. Surely God has got us for something more. 
No, sure does call us for something more than plants. I don't know if plants sleep, but when they wake up. And you have massive zeal. Put them in a room like this, they'll start growing bent. They just want the sun. <laughs> Listen. We are not like those creatures that don't really have a purpose. They wake up to eat, sleep. And serve their master. God doesn't want you to wake up and have nothing to look forward to. He's already shown us that his mercies are new every morning. He expects us to get up with an expectation every day. I got up today feeling that it was going to be the best service I've ever had. So I forced myself. I said it will be the best service we've ever had. Praise God. How's the week looking like for you? Now, I want you to be very honest with yourself. Are you sure? How do you really feel about the week? How do you feel about December coming up? Are you sure? How do you really feel about December? And you know something that I would advise as I'm sharing? I would want you to be very honest with yourself. So that where there's an error, don't drown it in the saying amen. Actually take note and work on it. Because very often than not, sometimes we can drown the correction in shouting amen. But then we don't take note of what we need to work on. So today, Take not. Praise the Lord. So God doesn't want you to just exist. God wants you to be at a place where you get up every day believing you're going to experience the very best of God. At the same time, believing you're going to manifest the very best of you. So he wants you to have a mindset where you're expecting the best of God and you're ready to manifest the best of you. What's the best version of you? What's the best you can be? How great can you be? And how do you measure that greatness? Are we following? Listen, if the mindset doesn't change, they can be a new year, they can be a new season, they can be a new prophetic word, but it's very possible for certain things not to change. So let's continue with this topic. Can we go on? Now, what... I want us to see a certain scripture. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 to 25. In scripture, Paul was choosing whether to die. Yeah, he was choosing. The Bible says, 
for I am hard pressed between the two. He actually didn't call it dying, he called it departing. I've been asked a number of questions about where do people go when they die. First, they, I'm glad you've used the word go because they really depart. And they, somewhere they go. Otherwise, he was looking forward to go to bed. We'll get to that topic another day. He says, I am hard pressed the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Already I've been shown what happens when a person leaves their body. What happens? They'll be praising their Savior. For how long? All the day long. And he says, which is far better. So, don't get me wrong. Heaven is far better than this. Don't get me wrong. Heaven is far better. Because there he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. And all things will become new. It's far better. But look at the very next verse. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh, and which is more needful for you. What, was, what, what do we see there? The Apostle Paul did not allow his desire for heaven to interfere with him fulfilling his assignment on earth. So if you wake up every day, Longing for heaven, that's healthy. However, if you wake up every day longing for heaven at the expense of fulfilling your assignment on earth, you might become earthly useless. And that will affect your reward, by the way. So there's a healthy longing to go in every believer. But listen, for the sake of the earthlings, we need to be here for some time. Praise God. Have you ever read the book of Revelations? I'm studying the book of Revelations right now. Yesterday I was on the seventh seal. Hey, before you even get to the seventh seal, when you just do the first, second, and third seal, my goodness, you know that this earth needs us right now. Because I don't know if you know we're the ones restraining those things. We're the ones restraining. Because there's going to come a time on earth when people will long for death, and death will say, no, suffer. There's going to come a time on earth like that. But before that, there will be the great catching away. These guys need as many believers as they can right now preaching the gospel to them. You don't know how much we are sustaining on earth. Praise God. By the time Paul was dying, he was able to say things, or let's use the better word, departing. He was able to say things like, I've run my race. I've, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my race. You must come to a place where by the time you're getting to heaven, you've emptied yourself of everything, that, of everything you are supposed to give on earth. By virtue of this scripture, I'm not permitting any of you to go anywhere. Wait, let me just say that again. You're all not going anywhere. No, pastor, unfortunate things happen not to you. Let me just say to you directly, just in case 
I'm saying this direct to your spirit. None of you is permitted to go anywhere. You're not permitted to be in an accident. You're not permitted to have an unfortunate whatever against your life. You're not permitted to have a parasite. You're not permitted to have a virus. You're not permitted to have a sickness. None of those things will take the glory of God. No. I speak that as your pastor. In Jesus' name. No permission. Praise God. Uh, there was a time when Brother Kenneth Hagin had a certain member in church. And I think that member used to do his outfits. If I'm not mistaken. But there's something that person used to do. And so that person fell off a building. They were working on something. And they went to the hospital. And the person was they were practically gone. So Brother Hagin was walking in the passage. And he was saying, no, Lord Jesus, I just want now it. Who's going to do this? <laughs> he just said, I want to allow it. And so, the person came back and shared with Brother Hajin an encounter they had where they went to heaven. And then the Lord Jesus said, I can't allow you here. Why? Brother Hajin just won't allow it. So, for all of you, whether younger or older, the reason God gave you a young pastor. So, Apostle Fred just won't allow it. I've refused. No, I won't allow it. But we are moving beyond preservation. We've experienced a lot of preservation. But now we're moving beyond that. We're moving to the realm of with long life, I will satisfy you. That means it's no longer being preserved. You're actually enjoying the quality of life. You're not having to bear with this constant pain. You're not having to bear with this nagging sickness. No. All that stuff is demolished. I hope we have taken note of that prophetic word. And that means how we pray. It's beyond preservation now. Somebody say glory. Now, there is need to have zeal to do life. And there are certain ways you can be able to tell if you are losing your zeal. Can I share with you a few? Number one, you stop dreaming. I'm not talking about the dreams in, at night. I'm talking about planning. You just stop. You can't imagine things getting better. You just stop dreaming. You stop dreaming. There's a dream I had a few months ago. And We were in, it was five years from now.
And I remember that Sunday because I visited our other branch in Lusaka, our other Lusaka branch. And I was doing amazing things there. That dream came at a time when I was praying about something immediate and God takes you five years from now. How many of you remember the time I sent a dream in the leadership group when COVID was at a very high peak and I dreamed that I dreamt we had Dominion Night? Do you remember that one? Because you know what this thing did? It, it put you in a position where it was difficult to plan. You know, you are wondering, will we ever have a conference again in this world? And if you, I, I had to unfollow a lot of news channels because they were all telling us that all Africans will be dead. Okay. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. <laughs> you stop dreaming. Another one, you lose your song. What, what, what's one of the things I've told you never to lose? You know, it's very important. Psalm 137. Verse 1. The Bible says, by the rivers of Babylon. Yes, it's a verse. It's actually in the Bible. <laughs> there we sat down. Here we wept when we remembered Zion. Let's go on. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. What did they hang? Their harps. So there was no music anymore. For those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Do you understand why we refuse to sing certain songs? Do you understand why we only sing songs of Zion? So they were told, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And the guys replied, How can we sing the Lord's song? So a song of Zion is the Lord's song in a foreign land. However, there is something different that happened. Have you noticed at this point they're in captivity, they couldn't sing the Lord's song. But I want to see another verse. Somebody say glory. I was good. Give me Psalm 126 verse 1. Psalm 126 verse 1. I will never lose my song. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. And what happened next? And our mouth was filled with laughter. And our tongue with singing. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. That's your life. Somebody say, my mouth is filled with laughter. Laugh it out for 10 seconds. You know, Force it. Sometimes force it. Tell your mouth, you made for laughter. Ha, 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 ha. We'll get to that. Let's go back to the reasons. Okay. Other reasons why people lose. Or other ways you can tell that you're losing zeal for life. 
negative responses to God's work. Give me Genesis. Genesis chapter number 19. Chapter 18, actually. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. And you're giving me verse 19. Give me Genesis chapter 18. And take me through somewhere verse 13, 14. Somebody say glory. So negative responses to God's word. Let's start from verse 13. Genesis 18. And then we'll go to verse 13. Let's start from verse 12. And I want it in the message translation. Start from verse 12. Let's start from verse 11, yeah. Abraham and Sarah were old by this time, very old. Sarah was far past the age for having babies. From verse 10, for context. One of them said, I'm coming back about this time next year. When I arrive, your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent of opening just behind the man. So Sarah was eavesdropping on Abraham's conversation with God. Uh huh. So it did start now. Praise God. And Abraham and Sarah were old by this time, very old. Sarah was past the age of, for having babies. So Sarah laughed within herself. An old woman like me get pregnant with this old man of a husband. How often? Do we hear, you are walking in perfect health. Can I, <laughs> me. Does pastor know how long my body has been? Pastor, let's not, let's not exaggerate life. Let me not be disappointed. Life of constant pain. As long as it's manageable. How often do we hear, God is raising mountains millionaires and they're like pastor just pray for me i just need a job just with three thousand quarter i'll be fine i'll be fine like completely lost hope in that area praise god god is raising big businessmen and women pastor i just want my four shirts to sell just these four shirts I ordered, if they can just sell. What am I trying to say? The moment you notice yourself getting negative, and this is something that can happen to all of us. I remember last year, uh, during the Christmas service, um, I was attending the Christmas service with Pastor Cholwe, and he said, believe the word of God in its exact format, the way he spoke it to you. And I went back and, say, and I said, realizing there are certain words I had toned down. I had toned certain words down. 
For example, there are certain things God told me ministry-wise would happen at this age. And then this happened to be the year where I almost never had a conference. And then all the years I've had them. That's why for me, communion was special. Something God had spoken to me years ago. What am I trying to say? Check how you respond to the word of God. God is going to use you. Me. Do you really believe the word of God? Do you still believe that you can walk in perfect health? Do you still believe that you can fulfill your assignment? Do you still believe? So you have to check how you respond to God's word. Do you respond with expectation? Or are you trying to cut God some slack? Do you respond knowing that you're the one to be the mother of all nations? Or do you give God your servant? Do you give Abraham your servant and say, let's help God fulfill it? Another way you can tell is if you start having thoughts of death. Thoughts of death. And these thought levels, they can you can get obsessed with this whole death thing. You must be careful. Say, I will be careful. Let me show you a scripture. Proverbs 18 verse 14. Do you know that your strength on the inside can even help you endure a difficult situation? Proverbs 18 verse 14. The spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear it? Praise God. Be careful. You start sitting, you start imagining your death, you start imagining your funeral. You may not even be having suicidal thoughts, but you're just obsessing with death. Be very careful. You start writing loved ones who've passed away. I can't wait to join you. Come get me. Do you know what Satan will do? You know Satan can use the very image. Then come in a dream and say, come, you're tired. Come join me. Even if you make it to heaven, he knows you'd have cut off your assignment and a thousand people who are supposed to get saved because of you won't get saved. Far be it from you. Think thoughts of life. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And especially if you've had a challenge with the health of your body. You must be very careful. 
Say, I will live and not die. You know, scripture, eh? Praise God. Is somebody being blessed by this teacher? Psalm 118, verse 17. Say it again. I will live. I didn't, some of you are not saying. Say, I will live. Say it again. I will live. One, two, three, everybody read it. Are you seeing that? It's not just living to breathe, but there is purpose. I want you all to say it. One, two, three, go. I think you're not taking this as seriously as I am. I want you all to say it. I'm seeing some people not saying it. Shout it. One, two, three, say it. I shall not. Father, I thank you for it is sealed. And in moments where the enemy wants to discourage, the angel of the church will shout this out to them. I've declared it. I've declared it. You'll be amazed. You're walking. That weariness wants to come. You just you hear the angel of the church shout. <laughs> and sometimes you hear in your pastor's voice. You just hear, you shall not die but live. Praise God. Another way you can tell is when you start isolating yourself. When you start isolating yourself. And the isolating of yourself is with nobody understands me. Ah, this guy called nobody. We need to meet him. This guy is accused It starts with the nobody understands me. It starts with the nobody cares. It goes on to the no one knows what I'm going through. Now, there's a very interesting scripture. First, number 10 and verse 13. Number 10 and verse 13. And then you start listening to depressing songs. You find you've even got that artist for songs. Some of them are even Christian artists who are just never having a good time. And when you all their interviews every year, you know, I've just been going through this tough season, but the next year, you know, it's just been a tough season, but the next year, find another gospel artist who's also good. At least one or two good seasons. I don't know if you're getting my point. No, let me show you. First Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, one thing I want you to see there is that the statement, nobody understands me, is highly exaggerated. Because whereas there is no one who can think or feel the same way you do, there is nothing a human being can go through 
that is not common to at least one person out there. And here's the interesting thing. It may come in different formats, but there's nothing a human being can experience that is not common. And even if you don't find a man, maybe there's no one you found who you feel can understand. Let me show you someone who I think can understand. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Because there's someone I know who in the beginning was the word, but then he became flesh and walked the way of man. Isaiah 53 from verse 1. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh -huh. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You may be sitting here and you've had days where you felt not attractive. You felt undesirable. Hey, there's someone who's experienced it before. What do you think he experienced when he was blooded up and beaten up? You think he looked like... Let's go on. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. Jesus knows what grief is like. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. You know, I had, a, I had an experience sometime where there was a decision I had to make. And... That decision, if I decided to, I was assessing certain relationships. And there's a relationship where I was of, how, let me put it like this. They needed me more than I needed them. With all humility. And then, I heard the Lord Jesus say, I still want you to show them unconditional love. Then I dropped him, like, you don't understand. And it takes me to get seventy. Not my will, oh Lord. I'm like, mm, you can't compare. You can't compare. And here's the advantage of having him. Here's the advantage. The advantage is when you go to Hebrews, chapter number four, and you look at verse 14. Whereas in the Old Testament, they feared to go before the seat. They feared to go before him. We are told, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Our confession is a big thing. That's why we confess a lot. Uh -huh. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So what must we do then? Uh -huh. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So when you're going before God, don't pretend. Don't pretend. Don't try to be Superman before him. Don't pretend. Even in what he's saying is that I want you even in moments of weakness. Because he can sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? He's been, he's been down here before. I always imagine somebody, let's say, has lost a believer. And the believer has gone to heaven. And maybe somebody on earth is crying out and they say, God, what's wrong with you? And probably one of the angels like, picks up a stone like, does this guy know what he's talking about? 
And Bobby, another one, is like, don't they know this person is coming here? And we think Jesus just gets up and says, no, 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 I've been down there. I know what it's like there. And they're like, Jesus even knew, and he's like, look, Lazarus was, was about to rise, but I still wept. It's a whole different world down there. So it starts with this whole, no one understands me. And, and, and you must be careful. Do you know that depression has a voice? And do you know what depression does? Let me tell you one of the first things it does. It attacks all those who should help you. It first secures itself. It attacks those who, who, who it knows can kick it out. That's what it does. I'll say that again. It attacks those whom it knows can kick it out. So before you know it, you have a with everyone close to you. And then the only person you are finding comfort in may not even want the best for you. So that's one of the first things it does. It attacks relationships. It attacks them. Listen, if every key relationship in your life is being attacked, you need to watch it. You need to be careful. Some relationships are worth fighting for. It's not everyone who comes for a reason and others for a season. Some of those quotes, throw them aside. Fight for certain relationships. Some of those quotes can confuse you. Fight for certain relationships. I'll say it again. Fight for certain relationships. Notice in the Bible that when people began isolating themselves, remember when Elijah thought he was the only one? What, what followed next? He wanted to die. You remember... So, when you isolate yourself, there's an issue. If Jesus, the son of God, knew the principle, he always sent them two by two. He never sent them alone. Have you observed that? And when Jesus was seven in the morning, he says, only so far the rest could go with him. But he still didn't go alone. He had people. There is nothing wrong with sending a message, let's say, to five of your friends and saying, stand with me. There's nothing wrong. And if you are that person, and someone comes to you, and gives you the gift of access, and they say, stand with me, and that becomes your next gossip point. Never do that again. When a person opens up, do you know how you should take it? Like, um, how many have worked in the hospital before? You've worked in the hospital before? Oh, you went into labor. <laughs> it's work. <laughs> it's work. Eh? But you've been in the hospital before, right? Kids. How do they handle babies? Now, where so what happens if a baby is born prematurely? How many of you have, have had an interaction with a premature baby? Hey! You handle them with care. Because at that point, you've got an opportunity to save a life. I remember one of the WEM conferences, they brought a baby who was born prematurely. And uh, I said, can I have 15 ushers? <laughs> I didn't even want to hold the baby. And you know, I know people think, a man of God, you can do anything. So, Brought the baby. Pastor, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know how to hold the baby. I hold like this. I hold like this. What am I trying to say? How much more should you handle when a person 
pours out their heart. They literally give you their heart. Handle it with care. You go before God. Listen. Go before God and say, hey, Lord, who, you've allowed this person. You've chosen me to be as Jesus to this person. I'll not take it lightly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. glory. Say it one more time. Glory. And with relationships, be careful, especially when you're offended. You know what the Bible says, right? Somebody say glory. Say one more time. Proverbs 18 verse 19. I want you to decide whether this scripture is for you or it's for a person who's not married. Make a decision. Proverbs 18 verse 19. So you, you tell me whether it's for you or it's for those not born again. Eh? The Bible says a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like bars of a so, interestingly, it doesn't say a stranger offended. It says a brother offended. That shows you Satan attacks relationships. He attacks good relationships. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself in a position where the worst things you've ever said to a person are to those who you actually love the most. Don't be that one. Who the worst things you've ever said are to your brother. The worst things you've ever said are to your sister. The worst things you've ever said are to your spouse. I'm not even saying go say worse things anywhere else. Let your mouth be seasoned with grace. Praise God. But then, it's easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend whom you've offended. Their wars go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. You know what you can do? Decide that this is for the unbeliever. Decide that this is for the unbeliever. Decide that for you, you walk in the realm of forgive us our debts as we forgive. I don't know if you're getting my point. And that's why isolation sometimes can come from a very genuine offense and you put up walls. Praise God. I'll tell you another way you can tell your zeal is running out. When you stop doing have you observed that when your zeal is at its highest, you do? Very action-oriented. And you can see it in many ways. When we have a conference, have you observed that it's not difficult to get everyone to be in uniform? Zeal at its highest. It's at its peak. <laughs> That's why the measure of your level I'll, I'll tell you something. A conference can show you the measure of your potential. But what we call, for lack of better term, a normal service will show you your actual level. Functioning at. Because the highest speed may not always be the speed you drive at. Okay. That's why, if you want to know whether you're studious, it's not exam period. Example, you're a grammar. There's a difference. If you want to know how studious you are, it's not really example. If you want to know how learned you are, go, go, and, go through the past paper again 
three months is too far. Eh? How many minutes after the exam? <laughs> you know, there are guys who cram, as if where guy has broken the night, the information is here. Then now he's going to the exam. No one should talk to him. <laughs> it's like he's carrying a bucket of water on the head. Like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And then when he reaches, the moment they give them the paper, he immediately goes to the back and starts writing down things he'll forget. After the exam, it's as though the whole bucket has just remained. <laughs> they don't even remember what the questions in the exam room were. Praise God. Yeah. You wrote grade 7 in 2006 or 5. You that the first question in science was what is pollination, right? And then you remember there was that question for George Bush and George W. Bush. Do you remember it? Praise God. Yeah. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> And that's why I, I advise you, with studies, continue. Continue. Okay? Always look for other opportunities to continue. Because I can assure you, four years you've not studied, you go back to school and they give you an assignment. You're wondering, what's an assignment? How do you reference? How do you do? Or at least every now and then, just try to do an assignment again. You'll be amazed you discover forgotten. Praise God. And time is very interesting. Be careful with time. Time equalizes. You can go from being called Vaanko to the one who was calling you Vaanko. You've got the same, you're, you're, you're exactly at the same place. Now, of course, there's a place where everyone equalizes to an extent. But it shouldn't catch up with you too fast. What am I trying to say? You may be in this place, for example, and maybe you had challenges with your grade 12. Maybe you had challenges with your grade 12. Go back and write it. Sitting down and sulking about it for five years won't change the paper. <laughs> Listen to me. Sitting down and sulking about it for five years will give you more reasons to sulk because five years later, the grade civics would have written it. So go back and write it. If you need motivation, come, we'll escort each other. I'm serious, go back and write it. And we'll celebrate you. Praise the Lord. I got a text. I don't know whether it's from one of you. I think it is. This morning. And they had gone back to write a certain paper that troubled them, I don't know, two, three times. Uh, and they texted me saying, I finally cleared. I was excited. I was excited. Praise God. And I'll tell you, there is no greater motivation for doing more than actually doing something. So the moment you stop doing, let me give you an example of people who wanted to stop doing. Have you ever read Jeremiah chapter number 29? Have you read verse 11? For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know that Jeremiah 29 verse 11 was written for the sake of doing. How do we know? Let's look at verse 5. This is God speaking to them. 
Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Can you go plant a garden? Yeah. Go plant a garden. I'm feeling rebuked. <laughs> Wait, how many people here actually know how to plant a garden? Like you can plant a garden. Eh, okay. So, now I want you to get this. These guys were in Babylon. They were in captivity. And the time for them to go to Israel had not yet come. So you may be here on earth and the time for heaven has not yet come. Here is the instruction. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Next verse. Uh, take wives. And... <laughs> I think this should be the theme scripture for the next men's conference. <laughs> like God is saying, what are you waiting for? Take wives and be God sons and daughters. Take your wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. Uh -huh. Seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it for in its peace you have peace. Listen, we may be on this earth. Let's not stop interceding for it. Let's not stop declaring its peace. In this same Zambia, praise God. Uh -huh. For that says the Lord your God, and he was telling them about those people who were deceiving them. They were defined as deceiving them. And when you go to verse 11, that's when it says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. So he's saying, start doing, because I already know the plans I have for you. Say, I'm going to start doing. Praise God. Come on, go work on that CV again. Start doing. Praise the Lord. Open your eyes again. Start doing. Praise the Lord. Forget that heartbreak you received. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, like a guy who broke your heart is busy enjoying his life. And what are you doing? You're always checking his Facebook. Always checking his Instagram. Always. It's a hobby. You even have a specific time between 1 and 02. <laughs> Check his Instagram. Hey, she's not even nice. He just can't get over me. Look, she even looks like me. You're always showing your friends. Get over it. Find you're missing out on some very genuine person over there. Huh? Very genuine brother in the, in, in the church. You're busy, you're busy brothering him all the time. <laughs> he tells you he's thinking of you, you respond, we bless the Lord. <laughs> My sister, can we go watch your the passion of the Christ. Like, come on, guys. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> okay, praise God. Is somebody being blessed? <laughs>
How, however, if you're in the bandwagon, and if you don't understand what a bandwagon is, it's one of the foundational teachings in young adults' ministry. So if you're in the bandwagon, keep blessing the Lord. Eh? <laughs> okay, praise God. So now, can I just catch two points of the next part so that I can be able to finish by next week? Next week we'll be done with this series. Can you imagine it's my last series of the year? And it's the first time I've actually shared a series eh? with Pastor Cho. She's, she's also a decassé. You see, she's looking forward to something. Praise God. What causes zeal to drain? I've told you some of the ways you can tell. Now I want to tell you a few things that cause it. Number one, and I might end on this one, because I've already given you a lot today. My leaders, you understand now why I couldn't teach this last week. This wasn't a 20-minute sermon. Especially not when I was feeling <laughs> You received it. Eh? And the testimonies have been pouring in. And you know the other testimonies we've been receiving a lot? We've been receiving a lot of testimonies which not necessarily linked to Dominion Conference. But they're just linked to the teachings of the church. Like uh, I was sharing with the leaders, we received a testimony for Partnership Sunday. Where somebody gave what they had in their MTN money. And for some reason, they've, they've kept receiving money in their MTN money. And their school fees were cleared. Praise God. I'm telling you, we keep receiving testimony after testimony. I was going to say something, but let's continue. Men, I hope you saw the message I posted at 01 today. The men's group. Should I see any one of you post that nonsense smart thing? Any one of you. I rebuke you publicly. Such. So, Of one of the causes of zeal is the offense of comparison. One of the causes of lack of zeal is the offense of comparison. Offense of comparison. You know, I, I was thinking a lot about this earlier today. Comparison is a trap. It's a trap, I tell you. It's a trap. Looking elsewhere, it's a trap. I remember I was driving once, and there were some people who were doing something interesting. But then the moment I bypassed them, I, I couldn't look back 
Because if I look back, my cow would have been stared away. Then the Lord says, it's the same thing when you keep on looking at what everybody else is doing. What are you st- your, your destiny might be stared away, no matter how interesting it is. Comparison can be a trap, I tell you. You find you don't even think you can make a good dig on. No, I'm serious. No, I was thinking about it today. You find when, if you have to be honest with yourself, you don't think you can make a good dig on. But then the fact that Sister Brenda is a deacon now. What does she have that I don't have? Comparison, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. You find you 100% understand that it's absolutely impossible. This is just an example. It's just an arbitrary example. Nothing to do with anything. You find you 100% understand that it's absolutely impossible for everyone to be at the reception. You've absolutely understood that. But then the fact that that one is there, that's what bothers you. It's not really that you are not there. It's the fact that that one... How did that one make it? How did they put their foot across the line? (laughs) Me, I remember. You find, if that's what bothers you the most, it's a trap. It's a trap. If what bothers you the most is how God is using another person, it's a trap. That's one thing I've, I've, I've been disciplined to try and train myself. It should never offend me how God is using somebody else. And God can even use people you don't like. You find, you remember them for their immaturity. You remember them for their sin. They've worked on things with God and with the people who are key. The people who are key in their life, they've worked on things. Then God decides, that's the one I'll use. You just get shocked. That one. We know them. You know, these things sometimes, it's like a shooting star. We've lived long... That shouldn't be your first thought. Should that be your default setting? Comparison, it's a trap, I tell you. Look at John chapter number 20. Tamandani, you're not playing something for me. Mary, did you know Am I getting into Christmas service already? John chapter number. Give me verse. Okay, guys, let's not switch. I will preach a Christmas. (laughs) Give me John 20, verse 22, please. I just want to show them something. Now that you delivered, the sin delivered, Mary, did you know? Go to John 21. You have to be careful. You can give him. No, can everyone go to John 20, chapter 24? I want us to see something. 
verse let's start from verse 17 Jesus is giving Peter an assignment okay so the Bible says Simon Jonah do you love me Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time do you love me and he said to him Lord you know that I know of you you know all things you know that I love you Jesus said to him feed my sheep now, if you keep reading here, Jesus had just given Peter his assignment. But I want you to see the first thing he does. Uh-huh. Let's go on. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you are younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you on to where you do not wish. Jesus will stay in the death he will die. So he gave him the glories and the sufferings of the assignment. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken these words, dramatically, he said to him, follow me. Reminded him of the early days. Jesus is dramatic. I just got it from, from nowhere. One of these days, I'll do this in church. I'll just come and say, follow me. You follow me, eh? <laughs> then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, this guy had a reputation as like a guy, you know what I mean? Like the Bible shows us all the time they're all seated. Then the guy decided to try out his luck. He said, moving his head, head, then rested it on Jesus. You know that person? I think they're there in every home. I'm not sure if they're there at this church, but in every home, there's that one who can get away with to my things. Praise the Lord. Sometimes it's like that, even in church. I think. Of course, not with me. There are always those who they've got a way where you've reported them to the pastor. You're even expecting, okay, today in Calaco. You wait outside the office, they come out with the pastor laughing. <laughs> so, so Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following. Also leaned on his the supper. I don't know why John had to include that. It had nothing to do with the story. The guy just included that the guy leaned on his breast. John was dramatic in his writing, in case you think I got it from nowhere. Have you ever read the verse where they were going to the tomb, and John and Peter were going? And then John had to emphasize, and then the one who was younger, outran. <laughs> what that had to do with the story, I don't know. He just, he just had to show that he outran Peter. <laughs> I need to meet John. <laughs> and he's the one who had even, he was so close to Jesus that he's the only one who could ask saying, Lord, who will betray you? Jesus was like, ah. Let's go on. Uh-huh. Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Why? Look at what Jesus said. If I will, he remain till I come. What is that to you? You follow me. Hold on. I'll say that again. Peter is being told his glories and his sufferings and he's told how he would die. He didn't want to die alone. He turns and says, what about John? How Jesus says, if I want him to for the next 2,000 years, what is it to you? You follow me.
the next verse you see the fruit of comparison. This saying went about among the brethren. A rumor started that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that you remember, what is it to you? Jesus did not even disclose details of John's assignment. Peter did need to know. Sometimes, have the what is it to you mentality. Can I say that again? You follow him. Follow your assignment. Follow your assignment. I don't know if you're getting my point. And the fact is, there are others who will be doing better than you. Draw inspiration from you. From, from them. There are others who don't be so quick to say no, obviously it's because no, just give them one or two months. I, I realized that was getting, do you know when I realized that was getting to me? And there was a time, every grade 12 I knew was getting six points. Then one day I found myself saying, ah, you know, they've just made it my exams easier these days. And I was thinking, says, what if this to my kids are also just doing better? No, there's a lot of leakage these days. Even in our days, it was there. We know some people got 29 points with leakage. Let's be honest. Let's be honest, guys. Let's be honest. I don't know if you're getting my point. What if it's just more competitive now? And so you have to step up. Like, avoid always having something negative to say about a person who's doing well. It's not everyone in your office who, got, who gets promoted who slept with the boss. What is it to you? Follow your path. Follow your path. Follow your path. Are there some people who use dubious means? Yes. What is it to you? Just follow your path. And the world keeps giving us reasons to compare. I mean, for example, all this thing called social media. And every narrative I hear from people telling people about social media, they say, no, 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 don't follow, don't compare to what you see on social media. Most people, what they post is fake. But that's not always true. Some people are actually doing well. And it's on social media. There are some people who are doing well. Don't comfort yourself that it's all fake. Some people are actually doing well. I don't know if you're getting my point. There was a time they used to call us Facebook pastors. You guys who just have many likes. The likes have converted to members. <laughs> Let's be honest. And, and during the COVID time, they all wanted to be Facebook pastors. I'm telling you, we received a lot of messages. How do we do this? How do we do that? I'm telling you the truth. The fact is there are some people who are doing so. They're doing well on the gram and well in real life. That your, your comfort shouldn't be that they're taking it. It shouldn't be your comfort. Just follow your path. Draw inspiration from those who are doing better than you. And then those who are at similar levels, pull each other up, help each other. And then those who are not as well as you, don't draw comfort from it. We, I've done it before. I remember in Onza, we wrote this test. Mm. One of the worst tests I've ever written. Because of overconfidence. Jongo, do you remember the objective test? You know that one where when you get it wrong, they reduce. 
I was I got the first seven correct. So my confidence reached so high that I attempted questions which I was not sure of. So Mark started reducing and reducing. So the results came out, and some of us being famous, someone came, ah, I have your paper for you. Why? <laughs> Stop doing that. First. <laughs> so someone got me. I looked at it and said, hey. <laughs> you can relate? They know what I did. I went and checked. And you know, Unza, they just threw all the papers in the corridor. So I went to pretend I was looking for mine. Guys, I've repented. I was young. I was 17 years old in first year. So I was young. I went and said, looking through the papers, oh. <laughs> the zeros I was seeing, the negatives. I was like, me, I need to improve. This one needs to stop school. <laughs> now, as funny as that, that may sound, I was wrong. <laughs> ah, stop pretending you've never done that before. <laughs> And now, here, here's the thing. The fact of the matter is, as long as you're on the earth, comparison will be there. It's just about getting unhealthy. For example, you, the fact of the matter is, we are aware of the averages of the numbers of people in Osaka. It, it helps us see where we are at. But beyond that, we shouldn't benchmark against others per se. We should benchmark against God's purpose for us. Praise God. That's the best benchmark you can have. Because you can do better than everyone else, but miss out on God's purpose. Why do you think I'm not yet satisfied? Until we have a dominion where Zambia stands still. <laughs> Where people are wondering, why all this traffic from Kitwe? <laughs> I've been trying to book a hotel in Lusaka. I'm struggling. No, they're all reserved. Why all these flights? No, no, no. The man of God is having a conference. So there's a trap of comparison. Let me just show you one verse and we're done. The Bible says, and I'll have it from the Amplified. His presence is in me. Ooh. But let every person scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. Do you think we should read that one more time? It says, let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. Watch out for this one. It can drain your zeal. 
You can drain your zeal. You know your zeal can be drained when you think you're outdoing everyone else. Zeal can also be drained when you think no matter what you do, everyone is outperforming you. Watch out for that trap. Praise God. Watch out for it. That person you see on TV, chances are very high you'll never look like them. They're different from you. You can do the same hairstyle, but you might not necessarily look like them. You might look better. Praise God. <laughs> but just watch out for this one. Watch out for this one. Be careful. You might find, let's say, at grade 12, you've done very well, but you're angry because there's somebody who did better than you. Watch out for that. Very unnecessary. And I hope, men, you've humbled yourself from those thoughts. Me, a girl can never beat me in class. Hey? We met certain girls. Hey? <laughs> there is one girl who uh, at university, she was always in makeup, always on point, whether class is at 6 or class is at 18. So in my head, I developed like a thought that obviously this one is not very good. <laughs> she beat us. Then I realized, you know, you can just start going about. It's not necessary. It's not healthy. Never come to a place where another person doing well disappears. Tell your friends, listen, no matter what I'm experiencing in life, never be ashamed to come tell me thinking it will offend me. Your friends shouldn't be afraid doing well in your presence. Praise God. And you can also see this from the life of Jonah. How many of you know that Jonah was very upset because God showed mercy to the people of Nineveh? And he wanted to stop leaving. He said, Lord, kill me. I, Jonah was like, I knew you are merciful. That's why I do want to preach to them. I knew you would give them. These words are sparking life. These words are sparking life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I opted to spend a lot of time on this today because the reason being I know that this is an area Satan is fighting. And I, they'll keep ringing. They'll keep ringing. They'll keep ringing. They'll build. They'll build. wow what a service i have been so blessed and i know you have been too may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you you can reach the city of the lord church on zero triple seven nine three zero eight eight two if you are unable to call you can email us on 
thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.